Blog Talk Radio. You're serious. You, you didn't. I mean, you were at that point in your life where 
those those terms were kind of foreign to you? Yeah, I mean, not not even an inkling um, of what <laughs> we were talking about. This is what I find the freakiest part of all. This is kind of goes to that driving the bus thing that we're not <laughs> that even when we're on a totally different path, it comes into our lives. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I had gone, you know, 40 years, what I would say, you know, just in the dark. And, again, I mean, I obviously wasn't ready until, you know, this invitation came. And, you know, I what, what was interesting is, like, my sister, you know, was concerned, and she said, you know, you, you can't go to Russia because I can't rescue you there, right? I mean, that, that was a family, you know, we don't do those kind of things. And, and We'll have to get a visa to come get you, <laughs> and you'll end up in the as, in a white as a white slave in Siberia. I love it. Go ahead. Exactly. This is well, and, and even stranger. And at the time, I had a 13-year-old um, and a six-year-old. And <laughs> so the other thing was, is you know, I told my family, you know, if I don't come home, you know, know that I need to go now. Again. <laughs> You just don't say that kind of stuff. You know, is this a cult? What's what is this about, right? And what I learned, and literally this just came to me, you know, probably in the last few months, is when I when I was saying if I don't come back, you know, when at the time I was thinking it was physical and like I might be absconded with, um, but actually what I was really telling them is the me that's going is not going to be the me that comes back. And and I didn't know, you know, at a spirit level, that that's really what I was saying. Um, so so anyway, so I you know go on this trip, and and I I know the leaders casually because they were leading a, a leadership program that I'd been in for nine months. But I didn't know anybody. There's about thirty of us on the trip, and you know, quite frankly, I mean, I was scared to death. I mean, I really, I mean, it just the. And I just had no idea what I was getting into. And fortunately, you know, I, there was someone that I met, and so he was on the same flight from Omaha. And so he kind of helped me, you know, get through immigration and get there. And Can I know, stop just – again, I, I'm interrupting, but I think these these trigger – what I'll call a trigger point. And this is what – for those who, you know, obviously for anybody who tunes into these things or finds us talking about this stuff is – like every book we pick up, we just know that, you know, it's our time to be there, right? Right. Just as your, right. was your time to go. But here's the freaky part that I found out when every one of these, this this path, this development, this growth, this spiritual growth, is you find yourself doing something, number one, not knowing why, which I think is really important because obviously it's not you driving the bus, but yet... In spite of the fear, in spite of the unknown, in spite of all of the reasons not to do it, you're compelled to do it, right or wrong? Right. Yeah, and, I mean, it, it was one of those deals that, I mean, it, it. I just knew that, you know, at some level I knew that I had to go. And so, you know, I would not ever, I traveled once internationally before, but this was my first, you know, personal trip. <laughs> 
mean, you're going, you're going international. You're just flying right over everything that most Americans understand. You're flying right over Western Europe, right into the into the motherland, into the enemy. <laughs> exactly, and and even you know, like my mom. I mean, my family just wasn't you know crazy about it, uh, but it, you know, I knew I had to go, and so. Excuse me again, but here's this little farm girl who grows up in, in Nebraska, you know, and I don't know if you grew up on a farm or not, but you're in the heartland of America with all of what that means, and you're being whisked away from the conventional wisdom and the culture, <laughs> and the little girl, mommy's little girl and mom and sister and everything else is heading off to, <laughs> to Red Square. <laughs> exactly right. So yeah, so so the the interesting part of the trip, and there was many interesting parts, but you know, day one, you know, of course, I was attached to the tour guide. I mean, literally holding on to. The- <laughs> I'm not going to get lost in Russia. Right? Okay. That's great. That's a great image. <laughs> I mean, we the first day we're at Red Square and we've toured the Kremlin and we've had a you know a great time, and the first day, you know, six or seven of our pilgrims accidentally were following the wrong tour guide because it was pouring down rain, and they didn't get on our bus. And so, you know, again, I'm just like, okay, so but I not me, I was literally you know not gonna not gonna get lost. And, so, so they, you know, they arrived back home, um, back at the hotel, and you know, we started to have experiences. I mean, little, literally from the day that we landed, um, things like someone from the plane, you know, having to show up in a museum, right? And again, we're in the middle of Moscow, and we've met someone on the plane, and two days later, we're just kind of casually going through the museum, and this same woman shows up. And we're like, okay, how is that? I mean, how is that possible? I mean, this is a you know extremely large city. Art museums are crazy, but we just started to have events like that. Uh, we were on a, you know, we decided to do um, an adventure. Um, again, the rest of the group was was heading home, and there was a few of us. And again, I was now on the coattails of the most adventurous pilgrims in our group, and we were metro hopping and I didn't of course didn't know what that was but basically you go down you know get on the metro you can't read the signs you don't know I mean you can't read Russian again I want to stop you just for a second I, I mean the story is so rich and I wanted to continue but I want to give the listener <clears throat> anybody who happens upon this thing a, an idea where had you gone in Europe prior to this um I had actually gone to Spain one time Okay, so Spain. So, I mean, especially for Americans today and even at that time, you know, we're not maybe bilingual, but certainly we, I mean, we, we're we hip to the Spanish language a little bit, you know, right. see and know, et cetera. So it wasn't that, it was a jump, but obviously not a huge jump, right? Right, and I was with, you know, a group of 20 of my business associates. Um, so oh, again, okay, so we, a, we were... All right, yeah, even less reason to be. I mean, culturally, you're surrounded by like Americans, et cetera. Yep. Right, and what what I want the the because I've 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 traveled extensively, and what I want the listener to understand here about the giant cultural leap. You're right. You can't. Not only can you not speak the language, you can't even read anything. 
Right, with this really, you know, the alphabet. I mean, you, you again, you don't know anything, <laughs> you know, bathroom or ex or, or anything. You can't rest. <laughs> so you, you're right. If you lose your lifeline, you're done. <laughs> exactly. So, so you know, we decided, and again, it was like eleven o'clock at night, and you know, we're doing this, which again was just not the normal thing that you know Linda would be doing. And, but the gal, you know, that was leading us, she'd done this all the time and it's so fun and you're just amazed at what shows up. And so sure enough, you know, we stop, she says, okay, let's stop here. And we all hop out, we go up and it's more of a residential neighborhood and there happens to be a local, you know, outdoor cafe bar area. She said, okay, here's the spot. So we stop and sit down and, you know, it's a nice casual comfortable place. Of course, we can't read the menu. We we don't trying to order something is a little bit challenging. And you know, we're we're just making our way and it's fine, and all of a sudden this gentleman comes up to the table and sits down. Well, you know, I I'm like, okay, it's 11 o'clock. We're in a bar in Moscow and stranger alert is like he was sitting right next to me and I was just freaking out. So, you know, I I was just trying to be calm and you know, he started to speak in Russian. Of course, we couldn't speak with him. Um, well, then he started to speak in French. Well, there's three of us at the table that could piece, you know, some French together, meaning that we could listen and we could communicate back with him. And the first thing that he wanted to talk to us was about Russians sleepwalking through life. Wow. Right? And, and okay, and we're we're just kind of looking at each other, going, okay, we're on a spiritual pilgrimage. <laughs> I mean, how could how is this message, this messenger, you know, showing up with this message? Because the purpose of the trip was to understand the Russian spirit, um, even through hundreds of years of oppression, had found a way to to survive and and actually thrive. And so what could we learn from that experience that would take us, because this was, you know, the beginning of the millennium, what would, could we learn that would take us into the next millennium as far as how we were living our lives? So the, the concept of sleepwalking through life, you know, was a very familiar concept. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right? A guy walks up out of, out of nowhere, sits down beside you and starts talking about the fact that Russian populace is sleepwalking. Exactly. Yeah, and so, yeah, and and the the part that became very clear to me is the fact that, you know, I had always walked, you know, not only, you know, right on the straight and narrow road, but I was always walking in the middle of the road, not even dabbling. <laughs> just don't do that here in, you know, Nebraska. And so what I what I learned on this trip was when I started to hang out with those that were willing, you know, to live along the fringe, um, that very rich experiences would show up. And you oh, know, this yeah. was a perfect example. So the rest of the folks that were home, you know, at the hotel in bed, they didn't they didn't right. witness this, right? Exactly. And so it, was just, it was it was very, you know, eye opening and, and another event that happened um as part of this process, so what I learned was obviously facing fear, you know, as we were making these choices, you know, where to go, what to do, and I was now, you know, not hanging on to the coattails of the tour guide. I was now hanging on the coattails 
of others that were maybe life tour guides, if you will. I mean, people that I trusted that were living life in a in a different way. And and so, you know, another yeah. But again, they they're not. I mean, they're they're a loose cannon too, in the sense that they don't know the language, they don't know the streets, they don't know the culture, right? Exactly. I mean, these are Americans um, that didn't have any of those communication skills, uh, you know, that you would typically rely on, you know, to navigate, you know, someplace like Moscow. Exactly. Great, great, great. You know, I, I have this image of you. You're in the. You're in a cornfield in Nebraska, and this mothership comes over, <laughs> descends from another galaxy, and it picks you up and drags you away. Because you know this is the closest thing you can come to an experience like that. I mean, yeah. again, the culture shock, et cetera, and the not only the culture shock, but the spiritual lessons, the challenges that are being thrown at you, and you're so you're willing, though not comfortable, but you're willing to take each step. Well, and a few other things that, that were unusual. Again, I didn't know the people I was traveling with. I mean, I hadn't mm-hmm. met you know, any of them. Um, and so one of the other things that happened was is is I was kind of spontaneously sobbing, um, crying. Um, <laughs> but why do you think but, that was? Well, I have an idea. I, yeah, what it, what it was is I was starting to open my heart. Right, and so you know, once you take that step, you know, you face your fears, and now you're able to open your heart because you're not afraid anymore. Then you have the courage to maybe feel some of those feelings that you'd stored away, you know, some time ago that just weren't, you, know, you just didn't have the courage to feel. So again, the group was, you know, this would be at you know a restaurant, and I would just, I mean, be sobbing uncontrollably. And, of course, the men in the group would just kind of point and go, she's doing it again, make her stop. Um, and, you know, I, I really couldn't stop. And so, you know, they really, you know, the folks were kind of concerned about the fact that I might have <laughs> so deep you know, issues that, you know, I just you hadn't revealed to the group. But what it was and yet, is... And yet they're, they're, they're coming under this, under the aegis of it being a spiritual journey. And obviously you're having a spiritual moment clearly having a spiritual moment, right? Yeah, yeah. And and, 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 yet they're not ready and we were it. all every night we would do reflections about what we learned for the day. So we were all having experiences. Um so I mean it was just a common you know, just observing and supporting whatever, you know, the other other people needed. Well one one day we were we're on the. Um, well, okay, this is such a rich moment. Excuse me again for being rude. This is such a rich moment. I want to pull everything out of it. I can't. Do you think it was? Was it? Were there? I understand there were t- tears because you were feeling and experiencing things you might have blocked. But did, was there? Were there any tears of joy? Well, absolutely. And, and this is where, you know, by the end of the trip, um, and and I didn't know this at the time. I I, I mean, it took me you know a few months to actually process the whole experience. But what I learned is that the day that I left um, Russia, so again, there was a mixed feeling here. So part of it was that I had just experienced the, the most amazing time of my life and that at some level it might be just a cruel joke because I'm going to go back to my regular life in Omaha, Nebraska, and... 
not going to be able to take any of this with me. And so so it was really, you know, difficult. And, and how I felt, and this is the part that was so interesting, is I felt as though my I could not contain my heart and my chest. I mean, it, it my wow. heart expanded to, you know, just a level that I was, I mean, I was feeling love probably for the first time. Now, not that I didn't have a family that loved me. You know, my parents, you know, my husband, my kids, you know, they loved me. But for the first time, I was actually able to accept I mean, really accept and feel that love, and so so that was a and the love big deal. coming from a higher place. Well, actually, what what was I think started from you know these kind of complete strangers, um, and then allowed me to make this connection from a divine perspective, and and how that connection made was made again was we were on this boat ride, you know, down you know the Moscow River, and you know it had rained you know in the afternoons you know almost every day and. And, you know, typical American, you know, I've had this wonderful experience, but saying, gosh, you know, if I just could have just a little of this or a little of that, that would make it perfect, right? And so I said, you know, man, it's rained every single day. If we could just see a rainbow, I mean, that would just be fantastic. I love rainbows. And so, you know, I was just having, you know, just a private conversation with one of the guys on the, on a trip. And so, you know, that was fine and you know we finished the evening and and so the next day we we actually took the all-night train to St. Petersburg which I mean I hadn't been on a train you know since I was a little girl and train rides are the best so we had a great experience and I couldn't sleep so I was you know like just looking out the window and and just watching the countryside and, and for hours because I just couldn't it was like what is gonna be like Christmas like what's you know when I go down for Christmas. What is the present for? It just it was that level of excitement. Like so, you know, the Polar Express, right? Exactly. You know the movie and so, in the book, and, and what I'd like the, the listener to understand too. You were what month were you there? So we went in June. Okay, so what you can really when you said look out the window, most people are thinking, how could she do that when it's dark? But that time of year is White Nights. Right. Yeah, so it was, I mean, that's what, part of the reason why we couldn't sleep is because, yeah, I mean, it, it never did get dark, right? Right. Yep. And so, so you know, we're visiting various places and just like we did, and we'd gone to, you know, Catherine the Great's palace, and we were going up to a cathedral, um, and, you know, as we walk up, you know, and it's a blue sky. I mean, literally not a cloud in the sky, complete blue. We look up on the church, and when we looked at the cross, there was a rainbow that was a 360-degree rainbow around the cross on this church. Now, I happened to be standing next to the same guy that I had commented about the rainbow, and he said, you know, just kind of casually, well, Linda, I think there's your rainbow. Now, I had, you know, never, and even to this day, have never seen a rainbow like that again, and the fact that it showed up in the pictures, which, again, taking pictures of rainbows is very difficult to get it to show up. But the idea was, okay, I I made a prayer the day before. I didn't know that's what I was doing. And the next morning, you know, out of the blue, you know, clear blue sky, this rainbow shows up. And it was you know, one of no those moisture, where you no nothing, no clouds. No clouds. No clouds, Not you know, not even an inkling of a storm and a 360-degree circle around this cross. 
crazy. And crazy. You know, at that moment, you know, it was very clear. It was, I mean, it was that moment where that connection, that belief, that trust, that, you know, I am being taken care of. There is something, really something happening that I can't see, but that I can trust it. Wow. I mean, did that really, I mean, did that get burned that deep that from that point on you didn't doubt or was it just like the first aha? Well, that was that was a very powerful moment. Now, like I said, the event, you know, really, you know, the goosebumps and I was very clear on, on how powerful the, the moment was, but it was literally, you know, like August before, you know, I understood this unconditional love and that I established maybe this relationship, you know, with God or higher power, whatever you want to call it, and and I was able to put these miracles together that had happened that started to help me understand. And, and when I got back, it was interesting because I, I met with the pastor that of the church I went to and kind of described my my experiences and you know he helped me understand that you know not everybody would get you know what this experience was about you know and and he said you know you just need to be aware that there's you know a certain group that's going to think it was a great trip you know travel log see your pictures and go awesome trip to Russia and that's going to be fine there's going to be a certain group that's going to be mildly curious about this spiritual part of it, but not really understanding, but they'll listen and, and you might plant some seeds. Um, and he said, and there's this other group that's actually going to have to reject everything that you're saying. And yeah. not only will they reject what you're saying, they probably will reject you also. And the yeah. fact that the relationship that you yeah. had with them Although, you know, a great historical reference, a lot of good experiences, but there's a good chance that you will not have that same relationship with those people in the future. You know, it's, it, it will be a, a defining moment. Um, and that was you really know, important. I, right. I, this is a great point. And in, in all of the things that I've started with these phone conversations and dialogues with people, this part really hasn't come up. It's been touched on. I used to call it, and I, I went through these phases myself, and and I think that's what you have to tell the spiritual warrior, the spiritual pilgrim, pilgrim and, and let them be aware of, is that, I mean, here you are going along just in the normal daily routines of life, and all of a sudden you're whisked away to this, you know, I think I told you about Arnold Patton. Uh, Pat, um, Pat he uh, was a, a lawyer who was decided to become a spiritual lawyer and his favorite expression is the phone will ring and so clearly the phone rang for you not maybe not in a phone call but in this decision that the invitation to go on this tour and so the phone was ringing to wake you up but and you go and you do these things but the, the side effect is just what this pastor was saying is you come back and then you start to realize hey i'm not in the same orbit that i used to be in and nothing is, I call it like in chemistry or whatever, when, a, when an electron gets kicked out of its orbit and it's a free radical, it's floating around. But it it can never go back. You've been so energized. You The only place you can land is in a higher orbit. But you cannot go back to the formal orbit, right? 
Right, right. And and again, that that was a, you know, I had been even days before we left, you know, kind of grieving the fact that this trip was going to be over and then I was going to go back and everything was going to go back to the same, right? And that I couldn't sustain it on my own is is what I believed because most of the people on the trip weren't from Omaha and I didn't have a support group that was going to really allow me to sustain it. Um and the fact that this was really out there for me. I mean, like I mean, I didn't have anyone in my space that would get what I was talking about. Right. I mean, they would think I was crazy. Right. And so of kind of coming back, you know, with that um, in mind, uh, and, and now, of course, what I understand, you know, on several levels that it was a transformation time, and not that I was transforming into somebody else, but it was I was actually starting to become who I came here to be. So what I learned, you know, that once I returned, certain relationships in my life, people now started to be ready to reveal who they were because I had taken this step. And so that was that was also very interesting of the idea of me being on my own journey allowed me then to open that up for other folks. Yeah, and you know, in those stages of life, uh, I don't know if you've experienced the same way, but I found them to be almost very lonely, those transitions, because all the people, you're yeah, right, all the people that I, I was able to hang around, all the people, the pla- no, it wasn't just the people, it was the places I used to go to, it was the music I used to listen to, it was the books I used to read, it was the movies, the TV, whatever, just all of a sudden, just I had no connection to yeah, and, and I had luckily had started to, with this leadership program, um, and, you know, I started to approach things, and we talked about it on the show last week. So one of the first um, venues that I really could feel this I Believe concept um, and feel it at a, a, a really deep level was at the hockey rink, if you can believe this. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was funny because I, I had gone through this leadership program um, during this nine months, and, you know, the college hockey program, you know, was new in the conference, you know, here in Omaha, and miraculously they made it into the playoffs. And so for some reason, again, for some reason I was compelled to take – me along with my kids and my niece to Marquette, Michigan, to go watch them in the first round of the playoffs. And wow. and and I just, you know, goosebumps head to toe on that because again, it sounds so crazy, but the idea was I really believed that I needed to be there because you know in hockey, I mean, energy, you know, that puck just one little you know, just will make it go in or will help it stay out. And so I had experienced, you know, this energy at, you know, hockey rinks when the crowd is cheering and the, the that engages and motivates the team to take a, you know, step up and play, you know, out of their minds. And I just felt that, I mean, this team deserved to have some people in the stands. Now it turned out that, um, I mean, there was only nine fans of, of really? all besides – Coaching staff. I mean, because sure, again, who, Nebraska is not a hotbed of hockey. 
at the time it wasn't, but there's a whole whole history of hockey, you know, back um, years ago. But the idea was, and it was, we had, you know, established a relationship with the coach. Um, and, and he was cute because he, the fact that I was taking my kids, he is a dad and he wanted to make sure that I, you know, stayed in the same hotel that they stayed in, um, which was funny because I, again, I was a businesswoman, had traveled a lot, but he wanted to make sure that since, you know, my husband wasn't going to go that, you know, he would, you know, that we would be staying in the same place they were. Um, and sure enough, you know, they won, which meant that. No. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they, they I, did. What did they, they win? Like, the... So it was a two out of three series, two out of three game series against Northern Michigan, and they, they won. won. They won the series, <laughs> which meant that now, of course, the next weekend we're going to the Joe, right? The Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit, Michigan, is where the CCHA championship was, and so I mean, if we got them, you know, if we got helped them win. In Marquette, we certainly had to go to the Joe. So, yep, so, you know, made arrangements for, again, me and my kids um, to fly to Detroit, which, again, this was crazy behavior by most standards. Um, because, right. but I just had to go. Um, and a couple things that I realized is my passion. I mean, I was starting to reignite with something I love, which is sports. And as a kid growing up, my mom and I, you know, we used to go to all sorts of sporting events. And I love sporting events. And so the fact that this passion was reignited and now I was I was sharing it with my own kids was was just fabulous. Um and so we you know, we go to the Joe and you know, Detroit's you know, at the time, wasn't the greatest place for you to be taking, you know, your young children. And, right. But, you know, we, we managed, and, uh, you know, they actually won the first game against Michigan, which, again, like six to one. I mean, we're talking – it was – I still – I mean, it's just an amazing experience, the fact that they won. And, right. you know, it just – I mean, just what are the chances? And so, again – really just to, to net this out is the fact that this whole spiritual situation and, and this this trip, this hockey trip was actually before I had gone to Russia, but it was starting to help me understand because our theme, our theme for the hockey team, and we had pins and banners, was I believe, right? Yeah. And so, you know, there was this, this theme, you know, that started even before I actually – made the connect the dots after my Russia trip that had started on these trips, these hockey trips. Right. So it's, you, you were starting to take little baby steps in terms of not little, but you were starting to take chances. You were starting to take risk. Well, and, and listen to my heart and, you know, feel that passion and just say that I need – I mean, I need to do this. This is a crazy thing. And, and just the point that you made is once these these invitations come and you're saying yes to things that don't make sense to anybody or even to, I mean, to you, but you just keep thinking and you just go, I, I just I have to. I don't know why, but I I just have to go. Yeah, that's the, that's the one I love the most is I don't know why. I, um, yesterday morning I woke up and, you know, of course, it's, everything's been about 
as we've talked about so many times, you know, not driving the bus. And here's Alan Watts, who, you know, was well, the first guy that really started to take me to over the edge. Um, he, you know, he, I, I found, I went on in search of another video, and there right after it popped up Alan Watts. And he said, uh, or it was the title of it was to uh, give it away, give it all away. And then the, the subtitle was because it'll all come back. And he said that once you start to, you know, follow your bliss, once you start to, you know, go follow, you know, connect to the real part of you, he says the, the best thing that you can do, the most powerful thing he can, you can do is let go. And to, you know, connect with that higher part of you. And once that happens, there's no going back. And so that's exactly what you had started to do through this whole process. Right, right. And and it's funny that you bring up the, the let go because that's been, um, you know, that's not um, an easy. Oh, and, and it's not something that you do once and you go, okay, got it. I'm not, I'm not connected. I'm not attached to any of this. So, you know, literally just this week, you know, as I was on my morning, you know, walk, that was the message, you know, that was coming again, just to remind myself that, oh, yeah, I mean, you just, and and maybe that my letting go is the required step that will allow the next things to unfold for those that, you know, I was trying to control, right? So it was, it, then it became personal that says, okay, not only do I need to let go, but it may be a critical path event that is preventing some of these things to unfold for those that I love. And so that was, that that has come, you know, through several times that says, like for me, once I started on my journey and it just wasn't active as opposed to that sleepwalking, once I became active and awake, I just needed to stay on that. You know, I didn't need to do anything except model that that's what you do. I mean, that's that's the required behaviors. Just be active on your journey and trust. I mean, obviously. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, um, somebody recalled it the other day. Is, you know, it becomes like a virus that you, the spiritual virus, that once you connect with that higher part, part of ourselves, the real um, there's a gal that I've been helping out with, um, uh, her professional co- comedian side, and we started to work together, and, you know, I started to encourage her, which she had never received in the professional side, because that's just not, it's too competitive. People are so caught up with their egos, they don't help each other. And here I stepped out of that model and started to help her and encouraged her and, you know, she went places where she had never gone before, and she started singing. She started recording uh, comedy rap songs. And then she realized that as a kid, and I had heard this, this is a great point that n- almost nobody, I found it once and almost nobody covers, is the fact that you will go back to those things that you loved to do as a child. Right. You know, that when you were 8, 9, 10 years old, you're going to go back to those things. And, and when you think about it, a, a child, except for the, the external stuff where everybody's trying to, you know, rip your imagination away and try to form you into this thing that they think you should be to conform and all of the other things, you know, it, it, those loves. And she, her love, you know, was to sing. She said, I sang all the time as a kid. 
and here she says in in her 40s she's singing and she was driving down the road and I I thought of this the whole time you were telling your stories about especially about crying. She had to pull the car over because she was crying so hard because she says I finally connected to the real me. And she says and I can't go back. And I think that's the part that you know is so amazing for the hopefully for the listener is that once you do connect you start to see things that you, you give up control. You, you really start to reel out of control because, you, you, in spite of the fact that you were petrified to go to Russia, you go anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was almost like I mean, I, I couldn't not go, um, and but not understanding at the time, and and like I said, not even for a few months later. And the other piece that has become you know part of you know just my understanding is the fact that it will take time to process events like this. So it isn't an overnight, okay, I got it. You know, it's going to take, in this case, you know, it was months before I actually started to get it. And the other piece that that we talk about is the reentry process. Once you've done, you know, a workshop or once you've done an event, you're reentering into the day-to-day of your work and your home life in your relationships, you can't expect that it's you're just going to be fine. And so, you know, they did counsel us to just realize and, and be gentle with ourselves to to in this reentry process because you're now more vulnerable. Um, and it was interesting because my pastor at the time, um, which it was again a strange conversation because he also interjected the fear back or tried to and said. You're vulnerable now, and so you could be taken advantage of because you're so vulnerable. And, you know, and he kind of, you know, expressed some of his personal experiences with, you know, some real negative energy that, you know, I could attract. And, you know, at the time I didn't understand the whole energy thing and thinking that because I was vulnerable that that I would, you know, be exposed. And, and I had lunch the next week with someone who did the exact same thing, and these were very traditional Christian Experiences and they're they're like oh you've got to watch out because I mean the devil I mean I know but you know the the flip side of that is that you're so protected I mean yeah you've been energetically that's that that I didn't you know he was trying to take me to fear which would lower my energy level which would make me more vulnerable to you know some negative circumstance and and I knew that those those were actually the the tests really, that just said, Linda, wait a second, you actually know what happened. I mean, you know what's going on. And so the fact that these folks were trying to protect me because they cared about me and didn't want anything, you know, bad to happen, you know, they were testing me for me to go, no, wait a second, I'm good. I'm not, um, you know, yeah, I'm no, not. If I, we've only got like two minutes here, and i I, I got to jump on this one. You know, and again, if I can get this point out and, you know, share this with people, what I've learned with all of this, anytime that somebody that's close to anybody and everything else, and they always use the guys, be careful, we care about you, we really care. Every word, every syllable, every vowel, everything that comes out of their mouth is only what is internalized. They're not thinking about you they're not thinking you know yeah, there may be some people who really like you but what they're really telling you is i wouldn't do that in a million years 
Right. And so, I think and, you're crazy. And, you know, the that, that he was really, you know, stressing is the fact that, you know, these relationships are are going to change. And so that you can't let the fact that those relationships, you know, may not be in your future, you have to let them go. Exactly. If, if, if they can't accept you where you are on your journey right now. Exactly. Once you live in the past, you're going to have to let them go. Exactly, and, and because you can't grow unless you let them go. You know, I, I'm, I, I don't want to get cut off in the middle, so I'm going to play the song. Can, can we do this again? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, it's my God, great. it was such a great, great, great. I mean, stories are the greatest way to build messages, and you're really connected on this one. Linda, thank you so much. Let's, uh, let's play another one. Thank you so much, everybody else. Thank you so much for joining us, and that was a fun time. 